Hello, and welcome to Moments That Made Her, a podcast where the rare and unique women that hold senior private equity roles share their stories, including the key personal and professional moments that define their journeys and the lessons that they learned along the way. I'm Kirstie McGuire, Executive Director of PE Win. For those of you joining us for the first time, Moments That Made Her is a production of the Private Equity Women Investor Network also known as P.E. Win, We are the preeminent organization for senior-level women investment professionals in private equity. P.E. Win provides its members with opportunities to network, share ideas, make deep connections with peers, and empower each other to succeed. Our mission is to increase the profile of women in private equity, and our members represent institutions with over $3 trillion in assets under management. To learn more, please visit pewin.org. The host of Moments That Made Her is Kelly Williams. Many of you know Kelly as the founding chair of P.E. Win, as well as the founder of the legendary private market solution business known as the Customized Fund Investment Group, which she and her team grew to manage $30 billion of assets until she let it sail in 2014. She is now the CEO of the Williams Legacy Foundation, and serves on the board of the Greenbrier Companies and Grasshopper Bank, and chairs the board of the Smithsonian American Art Museum. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Welcome to our latest episode of Moments That Made Her. I'm Kelly Williams, your host, and the founding chair of the Private Equity Women Investor Network. I'm so excited to have one of my best friends on our show today. I was uh, teasing her a little bit because I'm in sunny Florida and she's in rainy, chilly Chicago, but that doesn't matter. We feel like we're together uh, whenever we get a, a chance to uh, to be together, even though most of the time it's on Zoom these days. Um, but I'm so excited to have Suzanne Yoon who is the founder and managing partner of Kinsey Capital Partners as my guest today. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you, Kelly. So excited to be here with you, as always. So, so um, gosh, we have known each other for a long time. Suzanne has been a very active member of PE Win and really helped to stand up the chapter in Chicago, which... For those of you who are PE Win members, know is one of our more. It's let's just put it this way: it's our overachiever chapter. Um, the uh, the Midwest chapter definitely does it right, and uh, and it's something to aspire to. Um, but that's sort of the hallmark of Suzanne and her career. So let's get started because I want everybody to learn more about you, and I want to start where I always start, which is tell me a little bit about how and where you grew up. So um, I am actually a native uh, Chicago girl. Um, I grew up here. I am uh, the oldest of four children of Korean immigrants. My father uh, was actually trained as an engineer and then became a small business owner. And my mother was a nurse. And they really came here um, with nothing because they just wanted a better life um, for, I think, their future children, which included me, thank goodness. Um, and, um, I think my, my father was really adventurous. I think my mother was kind of along for the ride and 
Um, you know, he started uh, as an engineer, like I mentioned, but ultimately ended up uh, deciding that he wanted to control his own destiny and borrowed a lot of money from his friends and family and opened his first business, which was a deli in a uh, Italian neighborhood in Chicago called Cicero. And, wow. um, you know, so I started to work with him really after school and on the weekends when I was four and five years old, and I would have help him stock shelves in exchange for Twix bars. So um, <laughs> I will work for Twix bars still. It's very nostalgic <laughs> for me. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so that that's really, you know, probably where I, I started really getting a taste for small businesses and, and what it took um, to build that, you know, build businesses. Um, and I, I was fortunate to you know, see my father actually flourish um, until, unfortunately, when I was 10, um, he was killed in an armed robbery at one of oh his my. business locations. And so um, I was the oldest of three, uh, three at the time, and my mother was pregnant with my youngest brother. So, you know, I, I'm also very fortunate that I had just a rock star of a mom. Um, who decided that education was really going to be what took us to the next level. So she moved us um, out of the city um, when I was 10 to a neighborhood that was uh, really had no diversity at all. And um, but it was in one of the best school districts in uh, the area in, in the state of Illinois and area in Chicago that we lived. Um, and so I got a stellar education and um, she raised us as a single mom, um, all four of us, and we are all doing okay. So <laughs> I think, you know, I hats off to her for setting an example. Wow, what an amazing story. Um, there's so many things to talk about there. First yeah. of all, uh, you know, it's very interesting now. It, it explains to me why we're, we're such good friends, because of course, as you know, I'm of Italian descent, and I Still remember the first time I started doing business in Korea, my clients explained to me that Koreans and Italians are very similar, that we're, you know, we're very family oriented. We kind of wear our emotions on our sleeve um, and we love good food. It doesn't it doesn't have to be pretty, but as long as it tastes good. <laughs> yeah. And so there's there's a lot of similarity in, in Italian and Korean personality. So I'm not surprised to hear that your dad started a food business in Italian neighborhood. <laughs> and uh, you forgot you forgot the part where uh, we're all very feisty, too. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a very similar thing. Um and so, uh, gosh, um, what a story about, um, you know, your mom kind of powering through what I'm sure was a devastating situation and uh, uh, and for you guys as well. I mean, it sounds like your dad was a pretty incredible guy, and I'm sure he had a chance with all of you except your youngest sibling to impart his values to you, particularly you because you got to work alongside of him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think too, um, obviously learned like very early, like you get out of life what you put into it and how hard you work. Um, that was definitely something my father instilled in us early. And then, you know, post um, his passing, just my mother worked double shifts as a nurse, you know, to make sure that we got the best opportunities and education that we could. Um, and 
you know, candidly, it also really taught me that I needed to be able to control my own financial destiny. And um, because things happen in life. Um, so I never, um, she, she was always really adamant that all of us, all four of us were going to live a life of independence and make sure that we controlled our own financial destiny as well. And so I know you said your first job was stacking shelves for Twix, but, and, and given what you just said about your mom, what was your first job, I guess, outside of the family business? Um, so I, I did help a lot. I had to become essentially the second parent very early uh, with my siblings. And so I didn't really have an opportunity to work um, outside of the home and helping my mother um, with my siblings until um, I was a senior in high school and I was dying to get a job. And so my first job was actually at FAO, a first paying W-2 job was at FAO Schwartz. And um, what a great job because I got to sell toys and play with toys basically um, <laughs> after school. And um, what was interesting about that was one of my one of my classmates' father was actually the CEO of FAO Schwartz. So um, not only did I get to see kind of store level and learn store level operations, uh, but when I um, on occasion would see him at a school event or a dinner, um, I actually was all, also, he was always very open to answering questions about what it was like to run the company um, and having, you know, at that time, you know, several, you know, multi-locations across the country. And um, so my job at the core was I used to play Sega Mortal Kombat against, you know, nine <laughs> and 10 year olds to sell them the sets. And um, I had a lot of fun doing that. But, you know, it was, it was a great it was great learning um, just that early in my life um, about what it takes to, you know, takes to sell, takes to run a store, inventory management operations, um, and then also customer service. And so at what point did you decide that private equity might be a career path for you? Or did you just sort of happen <laughs> upon it, as it often happens for women? Yeah, I, I think I happened upon it. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm the product of, like many of us, 80s and 90s movies. And my first exposure really to private equity, like really understanding what possibilities there were, were two movies were Wall Street and Pretty Woman. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching Pretty Woman and I was so intrigued with what really like the, this character that Richard Gere was representing did for a living. And this idea that he would buy companies, break them apart, sell them. And at the end, you know, he's influenced by this woman to then change his entire trajectory to start building companies. And um, I remember actually telling one of my friends we should learn how to do that because I think we have a better chance of learning how to do that than waiting for a guy to come save us from a corner. And mm -hmm. um, that was what really like what in, probably my first real interest in the idea of like investing and buying companies and what that what that really meant. And I was what 15 at the time. <laughs> 
That is fascinating. You may be the only woman in history who got that message out of that movie. But of course, that is the message. And it's very often the case. You know, it, now, of course, fast forward 40 years, um, whenever I watch movies, I listen to hear what it is they do. And so many people buy and sell companies or they're doing mergers and acquisitions or leverage buyouts. And of course, as a young person, you never know what any of that means. But I love that that's what you took from that movie and well, not that, you know, you should buy the red dress or try to get the guy to give you the diamond necklace. Or... No. Well, it was interesting because it was that plus, um, again, you know, going back to my mother, you know, she moved us into a neighborhood that was very, um, you know, education focused. Uh, a lot of a lot of my friends' parents were CEOs or on Wall Street. And so it just started to really like pique my interest. Um, like I mentioned, my friend's father, who was the CEO of FAO Schwartz, and what that meant in terms of running a company, building a company, having investors, um, and learning that, you know, not necessarily in high school, but but taking my interest in it and, and starting to learn more about that in college and then really trying to land in a banking career where I thought, okay, I really want to make money. I want to make money and control my own destiny. Um, and, you know, financial mergers and acquisitions, whatever that was, sounded really exciting. And so I was going to go find a job in banking where I could either invest money or do that. Um, and that's how I landed at AB and AMRO out of school. So, so it was sort of a happenstance learning about it in a movie, but then it sounds like you made a very deliberate path to get there. Um, yes. All I knew is that banks had money and they paid fairly well and I could learn how to invest and uh, make more money. <laughs> so it was a little bit of happenstance too. So talk a little bit about, um, you know, the career path and maybe a couple of the defining moments that helped you kind of stay in it because, of course, that's um, – as you know, something I'm very passionate about, which is keeping women in the private equity industry um, and really led you to end up in the senior ranks of the private equity industry. Um, so I started at ABN AMRO in the mid-1990s. Um, at the time, ABN was, I think, either the sixth or seventh largest bank in the world at that time. And they um, also owned a, their U.S. entity was LaSalle Bank, which was a middle market bank um, that grew to about $180 billion of assets um, during the time that I was there. And then eventually ended up selling to, it's now part of Bank of America and uh, RBS. So when I started there, um, I started in their credit analyst training program and, their, and had done several rotations as part of my last rotation, I landed in what is what was called the special situations group. And that's where um, a lot of the off-balance sheet private equity portfolio for the bank was held. This is at a time before regulations. Um, today, you can't really have them at banks, but when banks could actually have off-balance sheet private equity portfolios. The way they uh, accumulated those portfolios were either one, they invested into the equity directly alongside uh, debt that they were providing to companies, or you would have debt situations that converted 
to private, you know, to equity positions because um, they hit hard times or something, you know, challenging happened. And so I learned a lot during my time there. I saw how deals went bad, um, what went right, how to really structure deals um, so that you could have equity upside. And that was really my first real exposure to middle market um, private equity and what that might look like. And um, what I would say about that position, when I went into special situations, historically banks had never institutionalized their special assets or special you know, SITS groups. They were primarily senior, very senior executives, mostly white men, um, who ran those books because they were tricky. And um, we were, AB and AMRO also happened to be at the time the largest unsecured creditor in many deals that we saw on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, including Enron. And so mm. the senior guys at, uh, in our credit group were so busy with Enron, they really needed extra hands. Um, and one of the chief credit officers for the bank actually gave me a chance and said, you know, saw the work that I was doing through other rotations. Um, so I was one of the first associates um, that was ever given a spot um, in the special situations group. And so it was an incredible learning opportunity for me. Um, just even being a fly on the wall, I feel like sometimes my main job was to, like carry bags around. But it was um, essentially like a perpendicular <laughs> um, learning curve for a few years. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, like had, you know, he's since passed, but my, my previous boss, David Shapiro, had he not given me that chance or taken the time really to train me. And um, even though I knew nothing, um, I don't think I would be here today. And I think that is a, um, um, a theme throughout my career. I've been very lucky to have worked with some exceptional people that have given me chances when I didn't look like or, you know, really look like everybody else. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to hear you say that because I, you know, of course, as you know, I started my career as a lawyer. And, and one of the advantages for lawyers is you get to work on everything. And a lot of what you work on are the things that don't work out, right? I mean, you yeah. do a lot of origination. I did, you know, originated a lot of deals, but I also did a lot of workouts. And workouts are sometimes the best things to do because you figure out wait, what makes a deal go bad and, and helps you on the origination side. Um and I, you know, I couldn't agree more. I mean, just having that opportunity, what I learned and what I always tell young people is that when you're starting career, you really don't have any other job but to make your boss look good. And you have to become the person he or she relies on and, you know, be one step ahead of them because you create for them their lifestyle, their ability to go home and see their family. And so they become very invested in you because they know that they can count on you. And I, from what you're saying, I, I feel like you were probably that kind of person. Yeah, that is probably true. Um, I actually, my, I asked my boss, like, why did you pick me of at the, at the time in the special situations group? You know, you had, you had your pick of the litter essentially and um, he did tell me, he said, I just, I knew you were going to work really hard and put in your best effort. And, um, and then I was willing to, and I knew if I had someone like that, I would be willing to train them. 
And yeah. um, so I, I, I feel that way too, even today. I think, you know, effort is, is, a, is a huge part of the equation of success. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I often counsel young people because so many of them, you know, they walk in your door and they want to know when they're getting promoted. <laughs> it's always like, whoa, slow down. Um, I mean, the hard work and the just the reliability that that part is so important and really can't be overlooked that, you know, that your boss can rely that you have done the work and you've probably thought the next two steps ahead so that you know, they can rest easy. So, uh, and I'm sure that's how the way that you train the people who work with you. We would like to take a brief break to thank PE Wins founding sponsors, Kane Anderson Real Estate and KPMG, as well as our platinum sponsor, TPG. If you're interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at info at pewin.org. Now back to today's guest. Do you look for people like yourself? Um, I actually try not to. Because I, you know, I really do believe in diversity and in, in, in various measures. Like, and so I think if you always look for people who look like you, you end up in the same, you can end up in, in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, what I do look for and I think is very consistent throughout our entire team is I do look for like the hunger you know, and the, um, the desire to be successful. And, um, you know, I, I think that goes a long way in terms of, you know, when you're at the 11th hour and it's, and you're tired and, and especially when you're trying to close a deal, um, are you going to put in that extra effort to make sure it, it, it closes the right way? Um, it's that, it's always at that point where you've got to find, like dig deep and, um, you know, put in that extra, like just that little extra effort. And I don't think that comes unless you have some level of like desire and hunger um, in you. I think that's very true. So I think I might know the answer to this, but what do you consider the high point of your career thus far? Um, Definitely um, starting Kinsey Capital. (laughs) And being being a founder, it was it was certainly the the scariest thing I've ever done in in my life. Um, And uh, a lot of unknowns going into it. Um, But, you know, to be at a point where, you know, we have had, you know, some of the successes that we have, we have a long way to go. Um, But for me today, it's about seeing how the team has developed and getting to a point where um, I have, I've developed and trained and put together just this amazing team, like that's the most rewarding for me. Um, and I get to go home once in a while now and <laughs> spend some time with my kids and know that the, like, the world's not going to fall apart. Um, and, and I think that'll continue, to, that, that'll continue to be the high point. I feel like every year that goes by, it just gets better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I um, 
founding your own business is really a special experience. For me now, I, I love when I hear from people who've worked for me, even if they, you know, they went on to other things. I love when they call me to tell me what they're doing and they're so excited to share it. And I'm so proud of them. You know, it kind of feels like your little fledglings who went out of the nest to do something. But um, it, it really is a great moment when you can watch someone who who worked for you and hear them you know, parrot back exactly what you taught them or they give the presentation just the way you would have given it or give the, you know, the pitch to the portfolio company and you realize, hey, you know, I, I can I can rely on these guys. I can, you know, I can go off and do other things and, and uh, be impactful in other ways. Yeah, I, I, um, I really look forward to that in the future. I also hope that, because um, I know not everyone will stay at Kinsey forever. I wish they would. Um, but they will, you know, people will grow and do different things. And um, I'm just really, I'm excited for that too. I hope that um, just watching one of my colleagues that has been with me from the beginning, uh, we just promoted him recently to principal and he is just so good. And that gives me so much pride because I know I was such a big part of his development. Of course, much of it was him and how talented he is, um, talented he is. Uh, but it it was, uh, you know, speaking of like a defining moment just recently, that was a great, it was not just for me, my partner and I both felt um, an immense amount of pride um, with the development we've seen in him. That's great. So what stands out as a particularly fun or creative moment in your career? So um, I've had a few. Um, early on, I think it was more, you know, the restructurings, these workouts, they, they do require quite a bit of creativity. And, you know, being able to negotiate and, and you know, have those deals close early where you lead them is so exciting. Um, more recently, I think it's really all been around kind of the development of Kinsey and our investment strategy and and now knowing you know as we go into the market how unique our positioning is relative to other players in the lower middle market because we have such a strong um, partnership we've developed a lot of strategic partnerships with um, you know a consult a technology consulting firm that really brings you know value add operational skills to our portfolio companies um, and and I see, you know, that that's been really fun for me. And then continuing to think about, you know, how can we continue to create value? And I think that's one of the reasons why I've always loved private equity. I wake up every day. I'm excited to go to work. You know, we we're in an industry where our job is to solve problems and there's never a dull moment. And I learn something new every day. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I always tell people problem solving is my superpower that, you know, which is why, you know, I probably get a lot of calls from people with all kinds of problems <laughs> looking Including for me. advice. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you and I, you and I do it for each other. And, um, but it's what I love. I mean, I, you know, answers, the answers don't always come immediately, but a lot of them do to, to me for some reason, things just seem pretty obvious how things can be fixed. Um, which is why in my family, you know, we we have a saying, WWKD, what would Kelly do? Because um, uh, I'm usually, I'm whether they want to know or not, I tell them. Um, but uh, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I 
definitely get uh, get a high from problem solving. Well, you also have this like innate ability, and I've now had the pleasure of working with you on you know and on PE Win and also on another board. And you have this innate ability to look around the corner and see it before it's coming. And it's so interesting because even with what you did with the private funds group, um, it's so much more obvious today that what you did was obviously like you had to do it, but it wasn't right when you started it. And it's, it's kind of this, um, and maybe, you know, I, I do appreciate that about female investors too, because we have this kind of innate um, intuition that maybe allows us to see a little more around the corner. So, um, but that also helps us problem solve. I think so too. And I think, you know, look, the customized fund investment group, in some ways, we used to joke that we did the things that other people wouldn't do. And I think often for women, we often end up doing stuff and become specialists in areas other people won't do. And um, what other people wouldn't do, at least in my industry, was listen to clients and and build what they (laughs) wanted as opposed to selling them a product. And that's now become, that's all the industry does now, right? That's all clients only want things customized. So I don't know that how prescient I was. Um, It may have been something that was born out of necessity, but at the end of the day, it worked. And as you said, lots of people are doing it. But to that point, you know, not, we don't always get it right. Certainly, Lord knows I've gotten lots of things wrong in my career. And so I wonder, is there something that you would share that you think of as kind of a teachable moment? Because I think for a lot of us, when we have those moments, it's so devastating. We're so panicked. We think that life might be over. Um, and you always find out that it's never as bad as you think it is. Wow, I, is there anything you that comes to mind that you would share? So I've, I've made so many mistakes. Where do I start? <laughs> um, but um, I think those are, you know, candidly, the, the mistakes are what make you better. But the, only if you learn from them. You know, you really have to kind of take a step back. I think um, I would say one real defining moment in terms of um, investment experience in my life was a, a deal that I did, and it looked really good on paper. Um, and a lot of good players involved in it. A lot of diligence was done, a lot of tailwinds behind the company. And um, I was really, I was young. Um, but it was one of the deals I was leading early in my career and everything looked good. Everyone was excited about the deal. Um, and there was just an issue with the founder and there was a cultural, it was like the company was actually culturally toxic. You wouldn't have seen it on the surface, but I would say I had kind of a gut feeling it wasn't right. Um, I did the deal um, and it wasn't just me, but my group did the deal anyway. And it, it was um, almost impossible to fix. And we ended up having to do a breakup sale because the, the culture of the organization, any organization starts at the top and from a founder. And um, that's a, that was a really hard lesson. Um, and we did lose money on it. And um, I will probably never make that mistake again. And it also proved to me very early in my career how important the culture of a company and organization um, really is in terms of the success, long-term success of an organization. You can have short-term success with a bad culture. 
And um, but even if it's, you know, long term, 10 years, a bad culture will bring things crumbling down fast. I, I so agree. Um, I mean, and I've made that same mistake in a variety of ways over time. And, and I now I always quote my Angelou, you know, said, you know, believe people the first time they show you who they are. Uh, because that's pretty much who they are. You yeah. know, you have to, y even though you may be looking for other indications to say, ah, oh, they can't really be like that. No, they are. If your gut tells you there's something bad there, there's something bad there. Yeah, I agree. And um, so, I mean, just more recently, because of my experience with that deal, you know, over more than a decade ago, um, you know, we had a deal that we recently walked away from because I had that same feeling. And I might have ignored it had I not gone through that process. <laughs> mm -hmm. Painful, painful process. Um, so I'm I'm grateful for those experiences. I think especially now as I you know lead a firm and really having to teach that to the rest of, to the rest of the organization. Is there anything else in your life, maybe you know personally and professionally, that that profoundly changed you? I mean, you talked about. You know, what happened with your dad when you were a kid, I, I've got to believe that's a major thing that, that changed you. But is there something else that you would point to? Um, I, I think really for me, the, the um, in a good way, you know, profoundly changed me is, is becoming a mother. Um, I never thought I would have kids, actually, when I was younger. I really loved my career. I was very focused on it. And um, I today have three boys. Um, I, they have... They have taught me a lot, actually, about um, leadership, communication, and also um, how to work with men. Because I think, you know, I learn a lot about just we are different. You know, men and women are different. And um, and I, I also feel like I'm, you know, in a lot of ways, I think women, I'm, I'm encouraged by how far women have come in our industry um, particularly of our generation, you know, Gen X women who really didn't have, and baby boomer women who did not have a lot of role models um, ahead, of, you know, ahead of them to really model their lives um, as wives and mothers and, and also as executives. Um, but I also think, you know, so I think a lot about the girls and, and women today and, and at least having those role models, but I also think it's really important for our boys because you can't change the world just by on one side. And so, you know, I, I love that, um, you know, I have boys that are really like are not afraid of strong women. Um, they are going to be um, they won't ever question, you know, <laughs> whether or not a woman can do the same things that they can do, maybe better. <laughs> so um, and so I think a lot about that. But it, it, it definitely that that's probably the biggest biggest thing that's changed me is um, I've also like I think lightened up a lot um, over my life having having children so so now uh, I want to do one of my favorite parts of, of uh, moments that made her which is our lightning round uh, and this just gives people a little bit of a glimpse into your your personality so the first question is what's a great book you've read or listened to recently and I know you you read frequently because you always send me great books yeah so um the um 
Oh, wow. I read so many good books. Um, but Empire of Pain, which is the Sackler, it's a book about the Sackler dynasty. I was really moved by it um, last year when I read it, end of last year. It, it's, it really teaches you a lot about and, and reminds you, you know, the decisions you make today actually last for generations. Couldn't agree more. Um, and that's one of the ones you sent me. Um, so what is your cell phone wallpaper? <laughs> um, right now, it changes frequently, but right now my cell phone wallpaper is of my six-year-old blowing out his birthday candle. So. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> it's it's funny. Mine is always of people. It's always usually of my little great nieces and nephews. And my husband's are always like a lone tree in a field or something. <laughs> There's never a person. There's never a person in his cell phone wallpaper. My my um, husband's wallpaper is usually like a fish. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Very similar. Um, so if you had a career other than private equity, what would it be? Oh, wow. So I think private equity is like my dream job. So I can't imagine um, really doing anything else. But if I had to pick another career, it would be um, probably in music. So either producing music or um, I'm, I'm not talented enough to play or like sing it, but maybe I produce it, write it. And uh, that's cool. That's what I would do. I didn't know that was a passion of yours. That's very cool. Uh, so are you a dog or a cat person? I, I'm, I, I love all animals, but definitely a dog person. <laughs> yeah. I, I like dogs and cats equally. Right now we have a dog, but we've had a cat, a cats before. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, I mean, I think this is like, I hear it. So I've, I've, I've actually been given this advice by so many different people, and it probably started in church. But really is to treat other people the way you want to be treated. I think that goes a long way. I think so, too. It seems like such a simple thing, but it is something that people really have to stop and think about, especially now when people just see so self-centered and so selfish. Um, and they are focused all about how they want to be treated, and then they don't reciprocate. So I think that's very wise. So the final question is, what's one thing we don't know about you yet? Um. Some people know this about me, but I, I am like a lover of like all things outdoor. And um, I'm an avid, like just outdoor person. I fish. I will do anything to be outside. Um, so that's, that's and, I, and I have a lot of fishing pictures if you follow me on Facebook. I, I, I do know that about you. So, I know when you were down here in Palm Beach, you guys were so excited to come here just because the fishing is so good. Yeah. We actually did shark fishing off the beach. We tried. Ah, we didn't wow. catch anything, but we tried to catch shark off the beach. Well, next time you come, I know Andrew, my husband, would love to go out with you because I am not a fisherman, uh, but he is an avid one. So I know he would love to host you. That would be so well, fun. I have loved having you here today. This has been something we've been looking forward to for, for quite a while. We've gotten all of our technology sorted out. So Thank you again, Suzanne Yoon, founder of Kinsey Capital Partners, for being my guest today on Moments That Made Her. Thanks, Kelly. It was such a pleasure.
Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Moments That Made Her. I'm Scotty Wardell, co-chair of the PE Win Communications Committee. As a reminder, the content in this recording is for general information purposes only and does not constitute advice. We give no assurance or warranty regarding accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents of this recording. This recording is provided as is, and PE Win expressly disclaims any and all warranties expressed or implied to the extent permitted by law. Except where acknowledged, the copyright and all intellectual property rights in all material in this recording are owned by PE Win and our affiliates and should not be reproduced without our prior written consent. Other organizations or brand names used within this recording are for identification purposes only. The content set forth in this recording may not be sold, reproduced, or distributed without PE Win's prior written consent. Any third-party trademarks, service marks, and logos are the property of their respective owners. Any further rights not specifically granted herein are reserved. Thank you again for joining us today, and we hope you tune in for another episode soon.